Well, today I am borrowing the wisdom of another man, a kind of a famous, the kind of the framework of this is from a famous preacher named Haddon Robinson, who borrowed from another man, who borrowed from another man, a lot of borrowing going on, right? And so the outline of what I have to say is from that very, very first person from whom this was borrowed, and he was a guy named Algor. Here's how it's spelled in the Bible. Can you see that? It's kind of up in the, I should have made that bigger, sorry. A-G-U-R, but it's pronounced Algor, like that. And he lived many years ago. I, I think, I think you too, I think we would like Algor. Because, and, and the reason I like him is because he's a wise man. And those kind of folks are kind of hard to find these days. There's a lot of wise guys, but... Wise people, that's, that's something else, right? And so Algor was so wise that the Spirit of God decided to include the thoughts of Algor in the pages of Scripture. And so they're recorded for us in Proverbs. If you've not been here before or you're new this week, we are doing a series in Proverbs for the next six weeks. And you may remember if you were here that I said Proverbs is this collection of collections of different writers and editors at different times and different places, right? Well, he's one of those guys, right? And I wanted to bring something new to you. At least it was new to me. I had not studied the words of Algor before. And so I thought maybe, maybe they haven't either. Let's take a look at this. And so Proverbs 30 is attributed to this guy named Algor. Uh, and he talks in certain rhythms. You may remember uh, I said that there's different types of genres and rhythms that people use. He does stuff like this, you know, three things I know and two things are true. Uh, and he's quite random too. He talks about an unloved woman. Uh, and then people who curse their fathers on one hand. And he also talks in riddles, which was one of the things that I said is one of the genres of some of the people who write in Proverbs. And so he uses the genres of comparison and the genres of riddles the most in his uh, Proverbs. And today, this fragment we're going to look at is kind of a riddle. That's what it is. So it helps us live with wisdom, with skill. So we're going to take a look at it and see what we can learn from it. All right? So here's where we find it. If you have a Bible and you want to turn to it, you can to Proverbs 30, starting with verse 24. But I'm going to throw it up on the screen for us as well. Such an interesting proverb. Four things on earth are small. You probably have heard those four things because I said them to the kids. Yet they're extremely wise. Ants are creatures of little strength. Yet they store up their food in the summer. Badgers are creatures of little power. Yet they make their home in the crags. Locusts or grasshoppers have no king, yet they advance together in ranks. And a lizard can be caught with a hand, yet found in king's palaces. Well, let me pray for us so that we can have some help understanding this. Uh, Lord, this is in the Bible. Your word, we believe, is trustworthy. We can learn from it, so help us to learn this morning. And whatever distractions that we brought with us, can we just put those on a shelf for at least right now? Give us that kind of wisdom this morning to put that on a shelf and to look at your word and look what you would teach us from this. And of course, give me wisdom to not be a stumbling block and to properly unpack this in a way that would be encouraging and helpful to those of us who would hear. And for me as well, that this would be something I would 
learn myself and apply it in my own life and not just tell other people to do it, but this could be something for me as well. So as we together discover this, guide us, Father. Amen. Well, you know, usually when you look for an example or model in life, you look upwards, right? Those kind of men and women of the faith who've kind of blazed this path of glory. You know, they've made a name for themselves in their time frame, but also kind of historically they've influenced the course of history. But Augur, on the other hand, he looks, he looks down and he chooses, you know, four creatures that are small. And, you know, he doesn't really say this, but maybe they're not particularly appealing creatures, uh, there aren't many people, like I asked the kids, who have pet ants. I mean, there might be some, but not many. I think maybe the Middletons have pet ants at their house. I'm not really sure. Not many people take their badgerage out on a leash for, you know, on a walk for, you know, of the leash. And, and I don't know about you, but if I find a grasshopper or I've never met a locust but, or a lizard in my home, I typically uh, shoo it away is what I do. Yeah, that's what I do. <laughs> And Augur chooses these simple creatures, you know, small and some would say unattractive. And he looks down at them and he finds wisdom among them. And, and it seems simple on the surface. But it's actually some complex stuff here. All right. So here's, here's the first one. He says, learn from the ant. Augur says that the ant has little strength, yet it stores up its food in the summer. The ant works today for tomorrow. Put differently, the ant knows what time it is. Um, you know, out of the past, it's developed an instinct sort of thing to, to prepare for what's ahead. Ants work in the summer to prepare for the winter that lies ahead. And I think one way that we can apply this is to study the Bible, study the Word of God. And throughout the book of Proverbs, these writers are saying, these men and women of God should be people who study the Word of God. And, and they're talking about these formative years of your life. You should use these years to learn from God. Study it. Memorize it. Meditate on it. Reflect. And they're to do so because this Word, this Bible, will guide you and protect you and guard you in the days to come. So like the ant... We're to take advantage of this summer of our lives because winter lies ahead. And for some of us, that winter may be very personal. You know, perhaps the disease you always thought someone else had, now you have, or someone who's really close to you and is part of your life has that. And that's hard. I talked to a good friend of mine that uh, worked with me in my intervarsity days uh, just this week, and he, he spoke of a very dark night of the soul is what he called it. He had this job for years and he went in one day and in an instant he had lost his job. And he went through a very hard period, a very dark winter. And one thing's for certain for all of us, all of us, winter's coming. All of us have a winter of our life. Nobody can escape that. And we live in a land where there's broken hearts and there's broken dreams and there's broken lives and broken homes all over the landscape. It's just, it's just the world we live in. And what we take in to that time of winter in our lives is what we stored up in the summer of our lives. And if we have the wisdom of the ant, says Al Gore, we'll take advantage of this time that we have now 
and use it to prepare us for what's in the future. And now you and I both know that ants attend picnics, right? But they don't relax. You know, while I'm sitting back having my long, tall glass of tea and eating my hamburger, the ants are carrying the sugar off one grain at a time. You know, if you're not watching, they'll come back and get the Doritos too as well. If there's kale, they leave that. So, <laughs> at least I, I would anyway. They're always at it, working, straining, carrying the load, and instinctively they know that during the summer they have to prepare for the winter. And I know some folks who like to think that uh, when you study the Bible, it's kind of like this shot of adrenaline that gives you a spiritual high. But to study the Bible most likely isn't that way for most people. It's not for me. It's more like taking vitamins. You know, you gulp down a few vitamins and you don't feel this, you know, I don't feel this energy flow coming through me. I just feel like I just took some vitamins and sometimes they don't taste so well. But you take vitamins because they build you up. They build this immune system in you that will help you against diseases. And in the long run, they make you stronger. And studying the Bible is kind of like that. It's steady work. It, it asks a lot of you in the summertime because winter's coming. Winter's coming. And if you're not prepared, winter will be bleak. It can be cold and spiritually speaking, dangerous. And Augur says, if you've got the brains of an ant, you'll know what time it is. So, second one, he says, is learn from, I, I put here coney badger because that's what I have here. This is the picture of a coney badger. That's the last time I'll say the word coney. You can just say rock badger if you want. So, he says, learn from the rock badger. They're creatures of little power, yet they make their home in the crags. And so they blend in with the rocks. You can see this one's blending right in with the rock. You know, and they sun themselves. And they become almost impossible to see. If there's uh, an eagle or an osprey or a vulture flying overhead, they can't see it very well. But even if they do, they would have to, they would crawl into the crack of the rock. And they would have to kind of break that mountain to get that badger, which they can't do. They're just a bird, right? Now, one thing about the badgers is they know where their security lies. If one decides to go out on the prairie, venturing away from the rock, then it becomes very vulnerable. It doesn't matter how courageous that little badger is. You know, if he's been going to the gym and working out, doesn't matter if he takes karate lessons, doesn't matter. The most courageous badger falls victim if he's away from the rock. And I wonder what Augur has in mind here, and I think this is simply this. If we have the wisdom of this badger, we know where our security is. And our security is in God himself. He's our rock. No, don't, mis don't misunderstand me. There's not, it's not knowledge about God. I, I want to make sure you don't confuse that. It's, it's actually knowing God himself. That's where our security is. I mean, I, I don't, for an instant discount the study of, uh, of the scriptures and deep theological reflection, but I don't want to confuse it with knowing God with knowing about God. Knowing Christ isn't the same thing as knowing a mathematical formula. To know God is to have this personal relationship with him. And we, and we don't want to get the two confused. And if you have the wisdom of the rock badger, Augur says, you know where your security lies. 
And it lies in this relationship, this relationship with God. And without that, like the badger that wanders off the rock, we don't have security. So we learn from the ant. The ant knows what time it is in life. And we learn something from the rock badger. She knows where to find her security. All right? Here's the third one. Learn from the locust. Now, I don't know if that's a locust or not. Does anybody know? Nobody else knows either. Good. So we're in good, we're good hands here. So he says, the locusts have no king, yet they advance together in ranks. They have no king, but yet they advance together in ranks. You know, a locust, or it could have been a grasshopper, they, they aren't particularly awe-inspiring in and of themselves. You know, if one jumps out to you in your kitchen, you may be startled, but you're not really afraid of it. At least well, my wife is, but most people aren't. <laughs> Yet if that grasshopper joins the league of grasshoppers or locusts, it could cause all kinds of damage. You know, when you think of the word locust, there's a good chance you think plague when you, you put those two words together. What they can't do along Alone, they can do in community with other, other grasshoppers and locusts. Back in 1874, I did a little research. If we ever had a plague of locusts, there was a plague of locusts in 1874, not only in the prairies of the U.S., but also in our prairies and even up in the Northwest Territories. They did over what's now the equivalent of $500 million worth of damage. They don't have a king to get them organized. They don't have a draft board to get them into ranks. But by instinct, they know that their strength is in community. And when that occurs, they can topple kingdoms. The wisdom of the locusts tells us that we need community. And there's this theme throughout the Bible. You know, the Old Testament, uh, we talk about the covenant people of God. And in the New Testament, it talks about the church. And what it tells us is this is that while you must have a personal faith, you shouldn't have an individual faith. You can't have an individual faith. Let me repeat that again. While you must have a personal faith, it shouldn't be an individual faith. You cannot follow Jesus alone. You need other Jesus followers around you. When Jesus sent his disciples out, he sent them out two by two. And if we live life by ourselves... We will fall into trouble by ourselves. And the temptations that come to us, those of us who are followers of Jesus, are much easier to handle when we're surrounded by other people who have the same commitment and the same desire to overcome that. If you have the instinct of the locust, you know that you can't do it alone. You need others. Other people need you as well. So four things he says are very small, but they're extremely wise. Learn from the ant. You need to know the times that you're in. Learn from the rock badger. You need to know where your security is. And then thirdly, learn from the locust. Our key strength comes in community. And then the last thing is the lizard. I know that's a lizard there. It says a lizard, this is an interesting one. A lizard can be caught with the hand, yet it's found in kings' palaces. And so when I read this, maybe when you read this too, caught with a hand yet in the king's palace, I don't, I don't know what to make of it. It's a bit of oddness to it. You can catch it in your hand in, in one sense, but you probably wouldn't want to. And it's kind of small. Some would say ugly. Some don't think they're so ugly. And yet here it is in the presence of a king. Something so easy to catch yet roams freely 
with the king. It feels a bit off, doesn't it? A little backwards or something's odd about it. And there's a sense in which much of the teaching that we learn in the Bible seems like that too. It feels backwards, maybe not right side up, but upside down. Everything in the culture seems right or right side up. It seems to go this way, but in the Bible it seems to be opposite of our culture. The way to spiritual wealth is to acknowledge your spiritual poverty. The way to live is to die. The way to rule is to serve. It's like this upside down kingdom life. It's like a lizard that can be caught with a hand, but it's in the king's palace. That's just bizarro. My friend Donna had some thoughts on this too. We talked about this earlier. And she says this. She says, it can actually be a picture of grace. The small lizard can be held powerless in the king's hand, yet the king allows it to live in luxury in the palace. When others presume they are worthy, they are kept out, but yet the lizard's invited in. And one person thinks that he or she belongs with the king and another person doesn't, but one's invited and the other was not, and, and it just seems odd. And what she says is, in other words, it's a gift to be in the kingdom, hanging out with the king, especially when you can be so easily caught and just tossed out. Our salvation is a gift from God, not something that we work at, not something that we necessarily get earn, we earn, but it's a gift. And Donna says the king's gift of grace is amazing, isn't it? We need to be reminded of that. And when you come with the values of the cultures, you come to that and you read the New Testament, it just seems odd, at odds with each other. You spend years learning how to kind of play the rules of our culture and yet God says, oh, oh opposite. You know, and one way he does that is he calls people like me and you. You know, he calls us and by his grace, we get to be in the king's palace and we get to join in fellowship with him and that's grace. It's a beautiful picture. Four things, he says. Four things on earth are very small. If you could sit at their feet, if you could find their feet, you could learn some lessons from them. From the ant, you learn about knowing the times, knowing that today is summer, but winter's coming. We need to be in the word that will help sustain us. From the rock badger, you need to know where your security is. It's, it's in the rock of Jesus Christ. And from the locust, you discover a key part of your strength is, is right here in this room. And then when we walk outside the room in our small groups and other places, not being this rugged individualist who I don't need anybody, but person who knows that there's a need to be in community with other people. And finally, if you have the perspective of the lizard, you see what seems absurd, seems absurd, but actually is quite right. It thinks it's up, it looks upside down, but it's actually right side up. It's God's grace. So this is the portion of the wisdom of Algor. Now, the question now is, so what do you do with this information? That's great, Ken. There's a great, cute little four animals. In one sense, it seems kind of superficial, right? It doesn't seem very deep. Simple stuff. We all probably knew most of this stuff already. But then the question becomes after that, then... Do we really know these things? And if we do, do we live our lives this way? Studying and meditating on the word of God, knowing that our security is in God, therefore allowing our anxieties to rest with him, staying close in community, 
knowing this is where strength is, seeing and living the seemingly absurdity of the upside-down kingdom of God? Easier said than done, hey? So maybe this isn't new information for you, and to be honest, you probably don't need new information. You've got a lot of information. That's good. Maybe new information isn't what you need today. I think the challenge of the wisdom of Algor is, do we actually live as if we believe what we believe? And our challenge of, from Algor isn't to kind of create this top 10 list, this Christian checkoff list. Where, you know, we, we do these things. This is our duty as a Christian. All these, it's not what the, is, is going on here, but rather what I want to invite us to this morning is to pick one of these creatures, just one of them, and just simply sit with whichever one we choose and learn. I like to say, let it marinate in your mind. Let it soak in there. Ask God, what does this mean? What message, <laughs> what does this mean for me? And then one last thing. Maybe this will be hard for you, maybe it won't. Share that with one other person. Maybe it's someone, a spouse or someone you're in relationship with in some way. But invite them even into this marinating with you. Contemplate it with you. Maybe even ask them, hey, can you occasionally encourage me in this area? I want to live like the ant. So can you encourage me as I study God's word? That's our challenge from Algor this morning. It's a challenge for me. It's a challenge for you. I think it's a great challenge. Let me pray for us.